the Lord. Praise the Lord. Isn't that good singing? God knows how to get a hold of our attention, does he not? Sometimes it takes a mountain and a wilderness. But praise the Lord, I'm glad that he thinks about us enough to do all of those things in our lives, to speak to us and to help us and to show us more of himself. Amen. And uh, those of you that's been praying for me and my family, I appreciate it. I guess we are. I guess we're facing a mountain, I guess. I guess we're in a wilderness, maybe a desert. Uh, my wife's cancer. Thank you all so much for praying and all. There's been cards and people's reaching out and, and texts and all those things. I, I appreciate that. And I believe it's the answer to your prayers that I'm able to be here today with you all, that she's well enough for me to be able to, uh, to travel a little bit. And so um, God's been faithful and he's helping us and she's doing okay, you know, considering. I have no complaints. We just we about got a month left, I think, of chemo until we'll have another scan to see if it's worked or if it's done anything. So just keep praying. Keep trusting. You also support me and my family in the ministry. I just want to say thank you so much. Um, I wish I could see you more and help you more and do more, but uh, it is what it is. Our schedules are, we're bound by them. So, But I, it is my great honor and privilege to be here today. And for those of you that was here the, in the early service and here tonight singing and being a part, or this morning singing and being a part, I appreciate you for hanging out and doing those things. I know it's normal for you, um, but I just wanted to tell you, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the visitor has been blessed today. I've been blessed today because you stayed around and, and made yourself a part of the service. And so praise God for that. All right. Turn your Bibles to Luke 16. Luke 16. I asked uh, Brother Matt, I asked him, I said, now you have two services in the morning. Are they identical? Are we doing the same thing? Do we get to preach the same thing, or what should we do? He said, well, you do whatever you want, but, yeah, that's usually how we do it. We have two identical services. So I feel like the 9 o'clock got a warm-up, all right? So praise the Lord. Y'all should have me fresh, and my mind is focused and clear. That's good for a preacher. If I could preach three or four times before I'd actually preach, you know, then I, I'd, be, I'd be better at what I do. Luke 16, put your marker there in your Bible. If you've got a Bible in Luke 16, put your marker there, and then go to John 5. John 5, that's where we'll be at for the most of the morning. John chapter 5, after you get your mark in Luke 16. John chapter 5, beginning in verse 31. I'll wait till you get finished there. I did bring my kids with me today. I've got my oldest son, Isaiah, and my middle child, Isaac, on the front row, and my three-year-old daughter, Shiloh, is in the nursery or a class. or I don't know. I'm just glad she's not in here <laughs> and that someone else is taking care of her, right? So praise the Lord for that. I get a break. And uh, But anyway, uh, my family is indebted to you and this church. Praise the Lord. John chapter 5 and verse 31. If you're there, say amen. If you feel like doing that while I'm preaching, I'm okay with that. 9 o'clock didn't feel like it too much. Uh, you just be who you are. But I remember one time I went to a Baptist church one time. And uh, there was some visitors that came from the railroad when I used to work on the railroad. And he brought his daughters with him. Uh, he had broken. Anyway, so he, he had two daughters. They was teenagers. And he brought them into church. And so we went to the Baptist church in West Virginia. I mean, you could imagine how that would be, right? And so they was hooping and hollering, throwing babies around and all that stuff. And swinging off the chandeliers, you know. And, and uh, I'm just be, being funny. But anyway, so we was having church and having a time. Well, we, we, we at that church, they, they said amen. And they, they acted up and, you know, carried on. And when the preacher was preaching, and this is no lie, she leaned over teenagers. So she was probably, mm, she might have been 15. 15 at that time and she leaned over and to her dad and said 
why does everybody keep talking when he's talking, you know? Like, that is so rude. <laughs> so if that's how you feel, it won't bother me, okay? You just say whatever you want to or, or whatever. John chapter 5, verse 31. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. This is Jesus speaking. And uh, just very quickly, Jesus is not saying to them, I'm a liar or I don't tell you the truth. That's not what he's saying. What he is saying is, I understand whatever I tell you about myself, you're not going to believe. In the context of Scripture, which is important, he is at court. He's in a courtroom. He's being charged for a crime as blasphemy. Uh, he said he was the Son of God. To say you are the Son of God makes you equal with God, right? They understood the Old Testament that, that, that Jesus, the Messiah, or, or that the Messiah was God. But they didn't believe that Jesus was that Messiah. So he healed somebody in John chapter 5, and then he claimed he was the Son of God, and they said, that's a lie, that's, that's a crime. You've committed a crime. They wanted to kill him in John chapter 5. And so he, he's now, if you will, we'll pretend we're in a courtroom. He's in the courtroom, and Jesus has taken the stand, and they've accused him. And, and so he told them, if I bear witness, what do we do in the courtroom? We have witnesses, right, that tell the truth, at least they should, right? If I was a criminal and I got uh, robbed a bank or didn't rob a bank, but either way, if I was a criminal and got charged, let me say it that way, with robbing the bank, and they called me into the courtroom and started to try me, right, for robbing the bank, and I told them, nope, I did not do it. Right? If I said, it wasn't me, I was at my mama's house, right? It wasn't me, I, I, I was at my girlfriend's, whatever, it wasn't me. Well, they're, going, they're not going to take that as value in the court of law. Why? Because mankind's natural self, right? Not the born-again Christian who don't lie. <laughs> but, but man's natural self is going to say whatever they need to say to get out of the crime, Right? We do it too. Did you know how fast you were going? No, officer, I'm sorry. I have no idea. <laughs> you lie. You know how fast you was going. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He can't take your word for it. He believes the radar detector, right? You know what I'm saying? So Jesus Christ in the context of Scripture. We'll read here. I just want you to, because you read that verse alone, and you're like, Jesus is not telling the truth or, or what? He's telling the truth. He just understood that man wouldn't believe him even if he told him I'm the Son of God. So I'm going to provide this morning, really God provided them in John chapter 5. I'm just going to present them in 2023 the same way that God presented them 2,000 some years ago. In John chapter 5, some witnesses or some evidence that Jesus is who he says he is. You see, if you're lost today, it's because you've yet to believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is. Now, now maybe everybody here in the mind believes on Christ. I did too. But believing on the mind of Jesus Christ would have put me in hell until I got saved at 29 years old. I was raised in church. I had a Christian daddy. I graduated from a Christian school. That did not put me in heaven. That did not save me. I had all the knowledge of God, Bible verses memorized, but it did not save me until I believe in the heart. Do you believe this morning that Jesus is who he says he is? Do you believe that he's the son of God? Do you believe that he's the savior of the world? Do you believe he was here when they created everything and from the foundations of the earth it was his job to come and die for your sin, not his sin. He was innocent. The blood that was shed was, should have been my blood, should have been your 
your blood. He died on the cross because that's where you should have died. That's where I should have died. He went to the grave. It was my tomb. It was your tomb. We should die forever. Do you know why you go to hell and, and spend an eternity, that's forever, in weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth to, to because of your sin and rejection of Jesus Christ? Do you know why it's eternal and not just for a year? Because no matter how long we die, we would never pay the price for our sin. Our sin is an eternal price to pay. But because of our blood, it's tainted. It's unpure. It's got sin in it. But Jesus Christ was a pure blood, untainted blood, holy blood. He went to the cross. His blood was perfect, and it satisfied the wrath of God. We don't sing about it. It satisfied the wrath of God so that we don't have to die forever in hell. We get to go to heaven on the Jesus account. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? We'll provide some evidence this morning that still proves today, not not just in Bible times, today it still proves that Jesus is who he says he is. Let's read in verse 32. There's another that bear witness to me, and I know that the witness which he witnessed of me is true. He said, if I tell you about myself, you're not going to believe it. But I got somebody else to tell it, and he told the truth. And this guy, you sent unto John, that's John the Baptist, who's he's referring to. He bear witness unto the truth. But I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that ye might be saved. What he says there is, I don't need a man to preach for me, but I let him do that so that someone may listen and believe and get saved. Aren't you glad God still got some people running around preaching about Jesus so that somebody that's lost can get saved? There may be some lost here today. Some of you really looking at me like a deer in the headlights. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I've seen that a lot in West Virginia. You know, we run over deer all the time in our pickup trucks. And some of y'all really are like, man, what's going on here? Maybe you need to meet Jesus this morning. Maybe, maybe you need to hear what I have to say sent by God. And maybe he can change your life this morning. He said, I received not testimony from man, but I'm glad he does. He was a burning and a shining light, John the Baptist was. You were willing for a season to rejoice in this light. That just means they were willing for a little bit to believe and listen to John the Baptist. But once they found out the Messiah he talked about was Jesus the Nazarite, Jesus from Nazareth, Jesus the carpenter, they didn't want nothing to do with it. Uh, but I have a greater witness than that of John. He said, I got something better than John. The works which the Father have given me to finish, the same works that I do. Bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself which has sent me hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word, that's key there, abiding in you. For whom he has sent him ye believe not. Finishing our reading today. Search the scriptures is what he told him. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. He says, because you're a Pharisee and a Jew that gets to read the scrolls, gets to read the Bible, right? Gets to read the scriptures that you have and get to hold them and get to carry them around and, and get to do your religious duties. You think that gives you eternal life. But look what he says. Search those scriptures. Won't you read in them? Won't you dig into the scripture? And look what he said about it. And they are they which testify of me. This is what he said. If you would read the Bible long and hard enough and search through it, you would find out the Bible tells you about me. It testifies about me. It witnesses about me. It just doesn't tell us how to be wise. It just doesn't tell us how to have joy. It just doesn't tell us how to be good husbands, though it does. It doesn't tell us how to be good daddies, though it does. It's not just about making good business decisions, though those are in there. It just doesn't disprove evolution and prove creation, though that's in there. No, that's not the most important part of the Bible. The important part of the Bible is that it tells us about Jesus Christ this morning. Jesus Christ. So he provided some things and I'm going to try to pull them out for you this morning and I believe that for one, we need to be 
uh, the evidence that God will provide in John 5. We need to be that today in this day and hour. And if you don't know Christ, there was some here this morning that didn't know Christ. There was some. They could not raise their hand when I asked them if they'd been born again, but they also couldn't raise their hand to say, I need to be saved. A couple of them, I wondered if they would stay for this service. And I know we're bound by our time schedule. But I wondered if they would stay. I don't see them. If Jesus does not save them, they may not make it back next Sunday. That's truth. That's a reality. But if they don't get born again, Jesus is who he says he is, and they need him. I encourage you, if you don't know him today, don't make the same mistake they did. You're not guaranteed the next preacher next week. Let's pray. Jesus, I love you, Lord. I pray that you'd use this today. God, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, speak to our lives. Pray, God, you'd see. Lord, illuminate us. Let us see the truths of Scripture. Let us apply them to our life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So we have uh, the evidence that Christ provided that said, I am who I said I am. He was being charged because there was a lame man by the pool of Bethesda in the beginning of John chapter 5. The lame man could not walk. He was there for 38 years, and he could not get into the water to get healed. They believed in John chapter 5 that when the water would stir, that if you got into the water, you could be healed. You would be healed of your sickness and infirmity. And he couldn't get into the water. It was impossible. He had nobody to help him, he said. And he was probably just so lame, he couldn't drag himself into the water. Everybody would always be him into the water and get healed and get, get made whole. Jesus showed up one day and said, wilt thou be made whole? So he came to him and said, you want to be healed? I can heal you. I can do for you what the water can do. I can do for you what no man can do. I can do for you what yourself you can't do for yourself. I can heal you. I can help you. I can make you whole. And so the man got made whole. The guy jumped up, took off to the temple running, telling everybody about what Jesus done. And God told him to take up your bed, you know, and walk. So he picked up his bed. He rolled it up, put it on his back. I'm sure it's like a mat of some sort. He put it on his back, and he took off. Well, there's a problem with that. Number one, it was the Sabbath day. I believe God knew that on purpose. It was a Sabbath day. It was God's day. You can't be doing no healing on the Sabbath day. <laughs> but the Son of God can. Why? Because he is God, right? The Sabbath day is his day. He can do whatever he wants on that day. He says, I'm the Son of God. I'm doing the works of the Father. Can I not heal people on my day? They was like, blasphemy, blasphemy. You're not the Son of God. Not only that, but the the man was carrying his bed on the Sabbath day. You know that they made a law that said you're not allowed to carry furniture on the Sabbath day. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't move on the Sabbath day. That guy was moving. He used to live by the pool of Bethesda. He gathered up all his belongings, which was just a mat, and he took off. He was going to a better place, right? He was moving up, right, on the east side. He, he was having a better day, right? And so they said, you can't, move, you can't move on the Sabbath day. That's a sin. Who caused you to sin? He gets back and finds out that it's Jesus. Now he's in court. And they said, why did you do these things? He said, I'm Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I'm doing the works of the Father. They said, prove it. He said, all right, I will. Number one, he sent human witness. Human witness. Notice what the text says, verse 32, 33. 32 says, there's someone that bears witness of me. 
Verse 33 said, you sent unto John, he bear witness unto the truth. John is John the Baptist. The first thing that he uh, offers to evidence is human witness. So they had a chair, I'm sure. They may have had somebody on the stand, if you will, for imagination's sake. And they say, all right, John the Baptist, would you take the stand? John the Baptist takes the stand and swears in and says, I'll tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. And they said, John the Baptist, tell us about uh, what you've been doing. Tell us about who you are and tell us about uh, this Jesus Christ. And you know, in, in, the, in the scriptures of John the Baptist, I find in the Gospels, it tells us a lot about John the Baptist, doesn't it? It tells us that he's the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So we say he must have been a wild man, right, living in the wilderness, right? So he was a wild man. And it tells us that he wore camel hair. And we're like, my goodness, this man, he must have been tough. He, he skinned a camel and he wears him around everywhere. And it says that he ate wild honey and locusts. And we're like, my goodness, what a diet. You know what I'm saying? I, I like a little honey on a biscuit, but I've never really poured it on no grasshoppers, friend. That just ain't been something I've been prone to do lately. And that was what his diet was made of is what the Bible says. They says that he wore camel hair, said he lived in the wilderness, said that he had uh, uh, was eating locusts and wild honey, and uh, the Bible's also told us that his daddy was a priest, so that means he had money. He came from a Levitical tribe. To come from the Levitical tribe, the people took care of the Levites. Remember, God was their portion. The people took care of them. He was raised raised up in a good home. He was raised up in a wealthy home, not really missing nothing, and he was raised up with knowledge. A Levitical priest would have had the ability to train and teach their children. This man was a smart man living in the wilderness, wearing camel hair, had had, had locusts and wild honey, and man, we preach the socks off him, a lot of us preachers. We'll be like, oh, we just love him. He's a man's man, you know. He's got a big old beard and he's got honey in his beard, and he's got grasshoppers hanging out of his legs or mouth, and, and he's just crazy and I, I mean he was in the wilderness he's just probably burly he's probably a big hunter he wears he kills camels by his hands you know and I, he wears his double breasted camel hair suit I mean we just talk about John the Baptist buddy build him up and I enjoy preaching like that I ain't against all that Bible gives us an idea where he's from and we say man he's from the Levitical tribe and he's got wisdom he's got knowledge and his daddy was a priest and now he's a preacher preaching the gospel but when John the Baptist showed up on the scene <coughs> John the Baptist wasn't concerned about himself. He wasn't concerned about what he does. You know, when I read the Gospels, go back when you get home, do a little search, and do a little search about what did John the Baptist have to say? What did John the Baptist say when he showed up on the scene? You'll not find in Scripture where John the Baptist said, all I've been eating is locusts. I, all I've been eating is honey. Uh, you'll not find John the Baptist say, all i got is camel hair. You'll not find John the Baptist say, I'm a big, strong, wild man living in the wilderness and I rough it and tough it. I ain't got no money. I ain't got no family. I'm just hard up. No, you won't find all that about John the Baptist. You know what you find? That the reason we know that is because other parts of the Scripture define who John the Baptist was. But what did we find out from John the Baptist when it was his turn to speak in Scripture? We found, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, whose shoes I am not worthy to even unlatch it. John the Baptist showed up on the scene as human witness, but not about himself, but about somebody else. When John the Baptist got the opportunity to speak, he wasn't busy speaking about him and where he came from and who his daddy was, how rich he was, that he lived in the wilderness, wore camel hair, ate honey and locusts and all those things. No. John the Baptist said, I'm not here to talk about myself, not even to gloat about myself, not even to promote myself. He said, there's only one thing I came here to do, and it's to tell you to prepare the way of the Lord. He is coming. There is one. That, he said, I'm not he, but there's one that comes after me who is greater than I. He says, I must decrease so that he must increase. He was human witness. He was a testimony. He was somebody else telling somebody else, not 
not about himself, but about Jesus Christ. I believe it's still evidence today that there are some folks. I believe there's some in the building, and I am one today. I did not come today to tell you the update on my wife. It's not why I'm here. I did not come today to tell you about my children's names. I did not come to tell you about where I'm from, what church I attend, where I live, who my daddy is. I didn't come to tell you how much money's in my pocket. There's only one thing I came to do today, and it's not to testify about the Curlocks in West Virginia. It's to testify and be a witness that Jesus is who he says he is. He's still the Lamb of God that's holy and sinless and still takes away the sin of the world. He still was the one that was slain before the foundations of the world that gave his life so that me and you may live. It is Jesus Christ the reason that I'm here. It is Jesus Christ the reason I'm saved. It's Jesus Christ the reason I have joy in my turmoil and heartache. It's Jesus Christ why? When he sends a mountain I can still have hope. It's Jesus Christ when I'm in the desert that I still find nourishment. It's Jesus Christ why you came today. It's Jesus Christ that'll change your life. It's Jesus that'll do that work. It's Jesus that can love you. It's Jesus that can help you. He is the great physician. He is the banker. He is the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. It's all about Jesus Christ this morning. And there ought to be somebody like John the Baptist to say, I want my life to not bear evidence of a Levitical tribe, not bear evidence of my family, not bear evidence of where I'm from, but my life shouldn't bear evidence of the temporary I feel like preaching in the 10 o'clock. My life should not bear witness to the things of this world that's temporary. My life should bear witness. Your life should bear witness. You fold a Baptist church. You ought to bear witness not to your things, not to this building, not to the music, not to the things that God's blessed us with. Oh, but there's far greater things than just the building and the talent. And it is because of Jesus Christ. He is the reason that we're here. He can change lives today. We ought to be a life that bears witness, that provides evidence, number one. Somebody to tell somebody Jesus is who he says he is this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your help, my brother. That's the second time I've done that point today. You can tell I get worn out. A little bit of encouragement helps me along the way. Praise the Lord. Or is your life evidence of Christ? Listen, I'm not saying don't love on your family. I'm not saying don't get you a good job and provide for them. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying don't be a good man. The Bible even says a good name. That's good. Good name's good. Proverbs tells us that. It's, it's, it's better than rubies. It's good to have a good name, do things right, honor God, serve God. But my life can't bear evidence of the railroad. My life shouldn't even bear evidence of the Marine Corps. There are parts of my life that do. But I should bear evidence to Jesus Christ. If there is an invitation for the believer today, it is that your life bears evidence of Jesus Christ. Are we not the salt and the light? Yet we season no meat and show nobody the way. You understand? Salt cures the meat. It keeps it good. Light, obviously. Light in a dark place. This world can't get no darker, I don't think. Maybe it can. But it's pretty dark, friend. What an opportunity to shine light. You can just have a little light. It shows off a whole lot when it's real dark. You don't have to be the preacher today for your life to bear evidence. Let me press on. I could preach that point all day. Let me press on. Not only human witness, somebody to testify. What is a testimony service? 
Let's say we came back for our cookout tonight and said, let's have a few testimonies before we eat. Now, I know everybody testified because y'all be ready to eat. <laughs> y'all like me. So somebody do it, right? And Brother Baker ain't going to let us eat until somebody testifies. What's a testimony? Stand up and say, well, man, you should have saw the job. I, I mean, I'm like the best excavator operator there ever was. <laughs> I dug the ditch so good they paid me extra money. Woo, God's good. <laughs> no, nah, friend. A testimony is when we stand up and not make much of ourselves at all. A testimony is when we stand up and say, if it had not been for God, I wouldn't have made it here today. Some of y'all have already been through some trial. Some of you even been through what I'm going through now. And here you still are today serving and loving God. A testimony says it's not about me. It's about him. Human witness, number two. Human witness, number two. Not only did he provide somebody just to tell somebody about Jesus, and he's still doing that. I just did it. So we know that's true. John the Baptist takes his seat, and he calls his works to the stand. Number two, his works. Look in verse 36. He said, I have a greater witness than that of John. Now, I thought John did pretty good, didn't you? <laughs> like, I thought he testified pretty good about God. I thought he told right, right clear who Jesus was, don't you? But he said, I got something better than John the Baptist. Look what he says. <clears throat> uh, 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 he said, I've got a greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish the same works that I do. The next thing that Jesus brought to the court was his works. What is the works of God? If, 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 if God, you know, oftentimes we would love God to do our work, right? Some of y'all got some jobs you hate. Some of you do. Like, you're like, man, Sunday rocks, but Monday's coming, <laughs> Preachers are always like, Sunday's coming. Y'all are like, Monday's coming. You know what I'm saying? I get it. Like, I don't want to go to work. Wouldn't it be nice God to show up and work for you Monday? Wouldn't that be awesome? You'd even tell God, like, set them straight, God. Vengeance is yours. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? But God's not going to show up and do your work for you Monday. He's probably not even going to force you out of bed. He may wake you up if the alarm clock don't go off, which he did me this morning. My phone died. No alarm at all. God woke me up at 7. Thank you, Lord. I believe he helped me, right? Because I wouldn't have been here. <laughs> now, here's what I'm trying to say. The works of God ain't man's work. No, God gave you the ability, strong by, sound mind, strong back, right? He gave you the ability to go to the job site and work. Now, if you don't like it, maybe you need to find another one. But he gave you the ability to do the work. God's not going to show up and do the work for you. He may give you strength to make it through the day. Yes, yeah, sure. God doesn't do man's work. Here's what I'm trying to get at. What are the works of God? If it's not like man, it's a miracle. Anything that God does is better than man. God does what? The impossible. He makes a way when there seems to be no way, right? So the man, the woman, right, mankind, humans, we do everything we can to try to do everything we can in the way, but there seems to be no way. Then God steps in, right? There's the mountain. We can't make it to the top. But then God steps in, right? So God does miracles. Anything that Jesus does is a miracle. This is what he told them essentially on the stand in the courtroom. He said, the things that I do can't nobody else do. 
How do you know you're Jesus Christ, the Son of God? He said, because the works that I do, can't nobody else do. I do the works of the Father. The Father does miracle works. He doesn't do things fashioned by man's hand. Well, what is he referring to? What is the thing that he done that nobody else can do? I told you at the beginning of the chapter that there was a lame man that was lame beside the pool of Bethesda who could not get into the water. For 38 years, he was lame. He could not walk. I'm 41 years old. For 38 years, that guy was lame almost as long as I've been alive and he had been laying by that pool and he was going to die by that pool he was going to die as a lame man but Jesus came by and made him whole Jesus came by and changed his life Jesus came by and made him different than what he used to be this is what he told them he said do you not know that that man was lame for 38 years but now he's running fine Jesus said the things that I do can't nobody else do I do miracles I make the blind man see I make the deaf see here. I make the dumb speak. I make the lame walk and nobody else can do. He even raised them from the dead. He said nobody does the works that I do. The works that I do are miracles. And you say, well I ain't seen no miracles. I haven't seen nothing like that. I haven't been around and saw God uh, miraculously make someone's hand uh, not be leprous no more. I've not seen a blind man look up and have sight before. I've not yet seen a miracle. A friend, you're not looking with spiritual eyes this morning because if we are if we are looking for the miracle the miracle today in the house of God that I still believe is alive and well in 2023 is that there still are dead men there still are dead women who ran into Christ and he that's in Christ is a new creature creature means a new creation it means something that was not and now is you didn't become a better you you didn't turn over a new leaf if you got born again today it's because Christ has crucified the old man and behold all things become new it is a miracle this morning that any of us could be dead in our trespasses this is all scripture by the way dead in our trespasses and sin but he quickened us that means he made us alive Jesus said I came to give life and not just life but life more abundant, uh, everlasting life, eternal life, uh, forever life in a place called heaven. Friend, I know that Jesus is still real today. He was real in John 5 because the lame man wasn't lame no more. And he's still alive in 2023. Uh, he was alive in 2011, uh, April 11, 2011. I became a new man. I became a born again man. Uh, how can a man enter into the woman's womb a second time? How can I be born again? He said, we all must be born of water. And you all have in here. But we all must be born of the Spirit. And to be born of the Spirit is to be born again today. You know how I know he's real. Because lame men walk. Blind men see. I don't know where you was when Jesus found you. I don't know if you sick when Jesus found you. But I remember where I was. I might as well have been a lame man. I might as well have been a blind man. But Jesus came by. Asked me if I'd be made whole. Jesus came by. He saved my life. He's changed my life. I'm not the same as I once was. And that's impossible. But not with God. I'm a miracle this morning. If I take you back to the Marines and ask them men if I'm the same man that I used to be in the Corps, they'd have to say 
say looks the same. They'd have to say sounds the same. But there's some difference. He's a changed man. He no longer does what he once was. And that's no credit to my own. That's no ability of my own. If there's anything good about me, it's because of Jesus Christ. And wake up, call you fuller. If you're in here today and you claim to know Jesus Christ, that means you've been born to that means you not just a preacher today are a miracle this morning you are the evidence that Jesus is who he says he is you are the evidence that proves that Christ is real you won't want to know how I know Jesus is still alive and well because I'm looking today at an auditorium full of born again believers that once was dead but now alive once was alive but now made whole I'm glad to know today Jesus still does miracles I preached a revival last week in West Virginia by God's grace there was six professions made in that week if they really got saved God's still doing miracles it's a miracle that they could be forgiven of sin and go to heaven you ought to be thankful today to know that Jesus loved you enough that while you were dead in your trespasses is in sin. He came to die for you. The Bible says perhaps for a good man one would die. Paraventure for a, for a righteous man one would die. But he said but in yet while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. That means none of us was good. None of us was righteous. We were all no good sinners. But Jesus died and has saved our life. We are the miracle this morning. That proves Jesus is who he says he is. I know he's real because I'm looking at miracles everywhere. We say, oh, God, I need to see a miracle. You remember that Poltergeist movie where they was throwing stuff off the mantle, you know, like things would move and pictures would fly across? A preacher's wife made me watch that when I was a kid one time. She thought that would give me fear to salvation, you know, which I'm still scared of that. <laughs> oh, God, move Granny's picture. <laughs> If you just make her picture show up by my bed when I wake up tomorrow morning, I'll know you're real. Oh, God, give me a lightning bolt. Give me, give me some falling stars, and I'll know you're real. No, we don't need no sign. We don't need no new miracles. You know what you need to do? You need to go by to Walmart, get you the biggest mirror you can find, hanging in the longest hallway of your house. Every time you look in that mirror, you're not looking at yourself. If you've been born again, you're looking at the hand of God. You need to take a good look in that mirror and say, I've been born again. I am the miracle of God. I don't need nothing else. I don't need any more. I don't need another. I don't need more money. I don't need a better husband. I don't need a better home. I don't need a better life. No, I am the miracle. I know Jesus is real because he's what's done in me. Take a good look in that mirror. If you've been saved, you're looking at the hand of God. This time. Praise the Lord. Pray. If I spit on y'all, I do apologize. One preacher said, holy water. I wouldn't go that far. Let's finish up. Not only his works. You do believe you're a miracle if you've been saved, right? That you don't deserve it. Is there a service after this one or is this the last service? So I can hold them all day? No. I'm just kidding. You do know that it's a miracle you got saved. That we all deserve hell. That's like what we deserve. That, that's not where we were going. That's where we should go. 
But Christ said, no, you ain't got to. My blood can forgive you. Have you been forgiven? He said, oh, well, he died for the whole world. Like he's forgave the whole world. No, no, no. There's a difference between forgiveness offered and forgiveness received. You know, you can forgive somebody that's done you wrong. That don't ever mean they've asked for it or they've. God offered the forgiveness, but have you yet to receive it? Lastly, not only his works, miracles. God's doing miracles every day. He's saving folks. His word. Human witness, somebody testify about him. Uh, his works, the miracles that he does. They can, you know that they can deny God. They can deny Jesus. They can say, I've never seen it. Never seen it. I don't believe it. You know what they can't deny? They can't deny the change in a man or woman's life. They can't deny that because they've seen the old man, and now they look at the new. That's why it's important when we become saved, we act like it. <laughs> so that others may know Christ is real and his word. Flip back, well, let me, in verse 39, and I already referred to it, but he says, search the scripture. <clears throat> and then you think you have eternal life in verse 39. So he says, if you'd look in the scripture, you'd find out Jesus is who he says he is. In Luke chapter 16, verse 27, where I had you turn, there's two people that died and went to eternity. One died and went to hell, the rich man. One died and went to paradise. You couldn't go to heaven yet because Jesus hadn't died yet. So you'd go to a place called paradise. There was a gulf fixed in between those two places. One could not see, they could see each other, but one could not go to one another. In hell, the man was in torment, weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth, right? In paradise, living it up. The beggar, Lazarus, went to paradise. The rich man went to hell, not for being rich, for denying the Lord. The poor man didn't go to heaven because he was poor. He went to paradise because he trusted the Lord, right? In hell, the rich man starts to talk to Abraham, Abraham. And he's asking that Abraham would send somebody back to save his brothers. Let's read that account and we'll finish. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that they may testify unto them that they may also, that, that lest they also come into this place of torment. You know what he asked for? Evidence number one. He said, hey, would you send somebody to tell my brothers? He wanted evidence number one. Look what Abraham said. They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. He said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went, of them, one went from the dead, they will repent. What's he asking for now? Evidence number two. He says, if somebody once was dead and now is alive, they'll believe it. God's taken a bunch of dead people and made us alive. But Abraham said, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded. The one rose from the dead. What is Moses and the prophets? Moses and the prophets is your scriptures. They had the Old Testament scripture back then. Moses makes up the law, the first five books of your Bible. It's called the Pentateuch. Guess what makes up the rest of your Old Testaments? The prophets. The prophets wrote that. This is what Abraham told the man dying in hell. He said, your brothers wouldn't believe if somebody told them, and they wouldn't believe if he came back from the dead. Unless they believe what Moses and the prophets say, unless they believe what's written in the Bible. You know how the third evidence is his word. You know how I know 
that Christ is real today? Because I've got God's Word. God's Word bears witness. His works left the stand and He provided the Bible to give proof that Jesus is who He says He is. You say, well, why, why, how would a book prove that? Because all the prophecies that God's already talked about have already been fulfilled. It's all, it's all been perfect. Not one, they haven't disproved not one prophecy, not one, in all of these many years of being wrote. I believe the rest of them be true too. Finishing up, I have this knife right here. And it's my favorite knife. But it didn't used to be. I found it by the dumpster of my house. Laying in the hot, mucky, yucky dumpster juice. Had dirt in it, had trash in it, and it smelled. I found it while me and my oldest son Isaiah was dropping off our trash at the dumpster there. We have to drive off our hill to the dumpster. And I picked it up and threw it in my four-wheel thought it wasn't nothing. I thought, you know, it's a waste. It's useless, but it's a pocket knife, so I'll pick it up and check it out, right? I said, it must not be no good because somebody throwed it away. It must be useless. It must be a waste. I forgot about it, even. My oldest son, Isaiah, said, hey, Dad, you remember that pocket knife you found? What you going to do with that? I forgot about it. He wanted it. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, let me go see. So I go out to my to the uh, four-wheeler, and I open it up, and I'm looking at it and trying to clean it off and wipe it off. I mean, it was loose. I mean, it was busted. I mean, it was scarred. I mean, it didn't look new at all. It looked like trash. It looked like somebody threw it away like it was worthless. It didn't hardly even work. wasn't sharp. My brother calls me while I'm looking at that knife. My younger brother was in the military, too. He was issued some knives when he went to Iraq a couple times. I looked at him and he said, well, is there a name on it? What kind is it? I said, I don't know. It's got a name on the blade that says Benchmade. Somebody whistled. Thank you for that help. The reason they whistled is because they know Benchmade is high quality. They know Benchmade is some of the best knives that we can buy as civilians. My brother said, oh, no, that ain't trash. I said, yes, it is. They throwed it away. It ain't no good. The thing don't even look like much. He said, no, I'm telling you. He said, they issued us. He said, that, that, that knife you're holding, it's worthwhile. That's what he said. He said, it is worthwhile. He said, it's the best you'll have. I got a bunch of pocket knives. He said, I'm telling you, that pocket knife's like no other. I said, no, it can't be. It looks like nothing. So I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I said, I'll put it to the test. I said, if it's really what you say it is, if it's really that good, then I'll put it to the test. I'll find out if this knife can carry its weight. I'll find out if this knife is any good. I'll find out if it'll work. I'll prove it. I'll put it to the test. You know what my brother did? He testified that this knife was worthwhile. He testified that this knife was high quality. He testified that this knife was the best. I said, it can't be. It looks not like much to me. I'll put it to the test and see. I sent it off to the maker. said, my brother testified about this knife. He was human witness, right? Some of y'all are picking up what I'm laying down. He was human witness. I said, that knife's worthwhile. I said, but I don't believe it. It doesn't look like much, and, and it can't do much. And, 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 and is it really all that he says it is? I sent it back to him. They sent it back to me in a little box with a manual inside. 
I opened up the knife. They didn't send me a new knife. No, it was the same knife. Still got all the scars all over it. Same scars it had from the way life treated it. Somebody that thought it was of no value, useless. My brother said, it's not, it's worthwhile. When I got it back, I looked at it. I was like, man, I laughed. Look at this knife. I said, this can't be the same knife I had before. And I, oh, it didn't do that before. Some of y'all just woke up. I'll do it again for y'all. I was like, man, it ain't do that before. That's amazing. I was like, this knife's unreal. It was sharp. I was cutting myself. I was like, oh, my goodness. I got to be careful. There ain't no knife like this knife. There ain't no knife in my cupboard. No knife like this knife. This knife's amazing. It's a miracle, the works of this knife. See, once I put this knife to the test, I found out the works of this knife ain't like no other knife I got. My brother testified and said it's worthwhile and his works proved that it was amazing. I told you they sent me a little manual back in that box with it. I got to opening up that manual and looking in it. You know what I found out? It's even got a name. It's got a name. It's got a blade steel. It's got a certain way to sharpen it. It's got a way to use it. It's got a way to be safe. It's got a way that, that you, improper and proper use. I mean, it tells me all there is to know about the knife. Everything is in the manual. If I had any questions, I could find all I needed to know in the manual to say this knife really was what my brother said it was. There was a man one day born in a manger a pitiful normal boy so the world thought they killed him like a criminal threw him away like he was trash like he had no value for 29 years of my life I walked past that same knife in the dumpster and thought it's of no value somebody one day said that guy that died on the cross that died like a thief and a criminal he's high quality He's worthwhile. He's the best you'll ever meet. For 29 years, I doubted that and said, there ain't no way. One day, I said, I'll put him to the test and find out. God, if you really are who you say you are, <laughs> if you're really real, won't you do something in my life? Would you save me if you're real? Hmm. Oh, I didn't know it then. But I found out real quickly. The work that Jesus Christ did in my life, it's a miracle. <laughs> the works that he did, I tried to do, couldn't do. My dad tried to do, couldn't do. My preacher tried to do, couldn't do. And he left me a manual. Left me a manual, tells me all about him, tells me his name, tells me who he is, tells me where he came from, tells me who we are and why he died and where he's at right now. You see, you wouldn't believe what I had to say to you if you won't believe the Bible. You wouldn't believe that I'm really a miracle today unless you believe the Bible. Once I found out who Jesus was, and he is who he says he is, once I found out who Jesus was, it made me love him all the more. I'm more in love with him today than I was yesterday. 
And if I get to live tomorrow, I bet you I'll love him more tomorrow than I even do today. Do you love him this morning? I wonder if there are some miracles in this building today. I wonder if there are some born-again people in here today who wants and desires their life to be evidence of Jesus Christ. If that's you, you can come pray today. I don't know how you normally do it. I let them do it this morning at 9 o'clock so I'd get the feel for it. It'd be good for you today. If you've been saved, we're getting ready to go. We're having a cookout tonight. It's all good. But it'd be good for you today. Make your way around this altar. Make your way to these front seats. Say, God, I don't know how and I don't know when, but I want my life to bear evidence that you are who you say you are. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good for you. Be good for you to say, look, Lord, this life is not my own. You have bought me with a price. You did the work. You saved my life. You changed me. And I'm coming today to tell you thank you. And I'm coming today to tell you I want my life to be evidence that Christ is real. Is that your desire this morning? Does anyone have the desire that their life show the world that Jesus is who he says he is? In a minute, we'll all stand. He'll sing. I'm going to ask you to come and pray. Yeah. I'm going to ask you to say, I want my life to bear witness. I didn't say I want you to be a missionary and leave the country. I don't want you to be a preacher. I just want you to say, I want my life to be evidence. Somebody says, God, thank you for all that you've done for me. I'm unworthy, but you did it all. Here I am. Somebody will have to break the ice when we stand. Somebody had to be a leader. Somebody had to say, I'm going. And I'm going to tell the Lord I love him in front of everybody. I'm going to pray. I'm going to tell him I love him. And I'm going to tell him, Lord, if you'll use me, just let me be evidence that you're real. At school, at work, at my home, to my wife, to my children. I'm going to come and pray. For the lost today, you can be saved. Here's what we're going to do. I encourage Christians to move. It's only my second time here. I know it may not be usually how you do it. Christian, I need you to come. I encourage you to come. God spoke to your heart. Why? Because it may give the lost a reason to come. It may give the lost some courage to come. If you're lost in here today, I want you to find me. I'm going to go over here to my little corner right here. Brother Matt's going to sing. When he does, we'll all stand. I want you to come pray. If you don't know Jesus and you need to be saved, I can't come and get you. We could do the hand raising if we wanted. And you might raise your hand and I'll tell you to look at me. And I'll say, if you choose Jesus, would you choose him right now? And you may say, yeah, and meet me. We're going to forego that this morning. It's all in your court. The ball's in your court. Is Jesus who he says he is? He is and he'll save you. I want you to meet me at the front if that's you to be saved. For you believers who want to bear evidence, I'll be honest, I think that people that sing in the choir that come for two services and then stay for the whole thing for the guy to preach the exact same message, I believe you want your life to bear witness. I do. I don't believe you have to prove to me anything. I believe you do want Christ to be exalted in your life. Won't you come today and pray and just tell him, Lord, I love you. If you can't kneel down, you can sit on these front rows. Today will tell us a lot.
next few minutes to tell us a lot. I'm encouraging this morning. Tell the Lord you love him. Here. It'll do you good. Tell him I want my life to be evidence. It'll do you good. Let's stand all over the building. Jesus, I pray you'd help this invitation time. As Brother Matt sings, you give these men and women courage, Lord. Bring them around this altar today. Brother Matt, you need to be saved. I'm over here. Just